Hello and welcome to the Cocktail Hour with me, your host, Erin Polk. The Cocktail Hour is a place where we celebrate the women in business who are shaking shit up. This week we are talking to Mary Shannon. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for inviting me to be here today, Erin. Really appreciate it. I'm so excited that you are here. Uh, you, I've had a couple guests like you, where you were pushing me for the questions. We were just talking about this. Yes. And I was like, no, just come in. We are going to talk and have a <laughs> real conversation. You, I, I am not a planner by any means. And many of the women that I have on this podcast are planners. So it's been kind of a, a fun social experiment when I make the planners come in and just have a conversation without a plan. Yes, this is going to so, be great. It's going to be good. <laughs> so let's tell everybody who you are. Mary Shannon is the founder of Connectus Worldwide, a professional business consulting firm specializing in the delivery of services to small, minority, women-owned, veteran, and LGBTQ business enterprises, as well as majority organizations seeking to connect and do business with diverse businesses. She is passionate about her work and possesses decades of experience and knowledge that blends corporate strategy and business solutions with entrepreneurial spirit and personalized services. The services she provides include pre-application for certification, coaching and development, and access to corporate and government contacts for diverse businesses to succeed and accomplish their goals and objectives. Connectus Worldwide offers supplier diversity program development and public participation and engagement consulting for corporate and public organizations wanting to become more intertwined in the entrepreneurial ecosystem. Welcome. Thank you for that having me. That is all very smart stuff. It's stuff that I enjoy and, and right. stuff that I have a true passion for. So how did you, let's let's just start here and then we'll, we'll work our way backwards to where you come from and stuff. But how did you find that you, that you had, the, had a passion in helping other businesses? My passion came about as um, I transitioned from corporate America. Okay. And so in uh, a previous role for 10 plus years, um, I was a supplier diversity manager for a multi-million billion dollar company. Oh, wow. And so what I had to do was work with um, diverse companies to ensure that when my company went out to bid, that we were inclusive. Right. And so once you're working with um, small businesses, you have a better understanding of their challenges, what their needs are. And so as I transitioned from corporate into my company, then I realized then um, there was still more work to be done. Right. Okay, so how do you go from corporate to being a founder? Like those are two total different to startup pretty much. Those are two total different worlds. How was that transition and how come you decided to do that transition and what was the transition like? Um, I made the decision to make the transition because what I did, I took an early retirement. Okay. And so at that point in time, I knew that I could travel. I could do nothing. Right. Um, I could get involved more in my um, church community. And then I decided, um, because of my passion, that I wanted to start my own business. Mm -hmm. So I began to look at it as though it's not a true startup. Um, I was transferring and transforming my skill sets oh, cool. into the business. And so I knew that when I had conversations with some people, some of my mentors and et cetera, they would say, now you know people are going to think you're insane for wanting <laughs> to do this. Right. And I agreed with them um, wholeheartedly. But I had enough passion to say that um, it was something that I wanted to do and that I would do the same thing as all other entrepreneurs. I would get plugged in, I would go to events, um, I would seek out resources and make it happen. And how long ago was that? When that was two years ago. Two years ago. Two years okay, ago, and you've, so. have you done all those things? I have. Yeah? Not all that I want to do, but I am definitely um, continuing to look at where, um, I can bring value in terms of being on various boards and different organizations. So I am plugged into some organizations, but I continue to look at um, where do I need to be. Right. Um, and so as I tend to, um, as you said, being a planner, yeah. um, I'm just trying to make sure that I am bringing value and that my clients, I have clients. And so as I'm working with my clients, I'm just trying to make sure that I am able to through coaching and development, help them obtain their goals. So with them striving 
um, to either grow the business, start the business. Um, it gives me that energy to know that we're in it together right. and I'm learning from them as well. Are you from Kansas City originally? No, I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. From Phoenix? How do you end up in Kansas City? Um, family and, okay. and education. So. Okay, so you grew up in Phoenix. I did. And then, uh, like, were you post-college, before college, when you came to Kansas City? Um, I was in college. When you I were in college. Okay, so you said in education, so I didn't know if that was for, like, next level. I didn't, I didn't graduate from college, so I don't, I'm still learning all of it, right? So when you were in college, you came to Kansas City. Yes. And you've lived here ever since? I have. Okay. And then when you went to start your business, I find this really fascinating because I grew up here, so people think that it was really easy for me to plug into networks when I started my business. But the thing was, I had moved away for 10 years, right? So I really didn't have much of a network here. I still have my high school friends and stuff like that, but they weren't really in the business circles I needed to be in. It was kind of like starting over when I started my business, like meeting people. Had your corporate experience led to did it help you said you wanted to go to events and get in some of those circles were you able to leverage what you the people you had met in the corporate world when you were doing your not startup startup or was it meeting all new people it's a mixture of both yeah um, I still had my corporate connections however um, through the certification process um, you can want certification to do work for say city and state mm -hmm. or federal um, or to work for a corporation. And so I was more familiar with the corporate side of things, um, how they navigate, um, kind of the rules of engagement. But when it came to the governmental side, that's where I was at a loss. And so my business partner has um, that side of the business that she's more acclimated right. and more familiar. So I had to do more work um, in order to meet more people okay. um, and understand um, all of the inner workings um, of the governmental side. So you have a business partner. I do. I didn't know that. So how did you meet your business partner and how do you guys decide to go into business together? Um, we both um, worked at the same company. At the corporate company? At, at corporate company. Okay. And so she left a year before I did. And we had been talking and saying that, you know, um, there was a need and um, especially in underserved communities. Um, so we kind of made a pack that we would do it and and we did it and how's it going how's business partnership going because it's like getting married it's you know it does have its, its ups and downs right. but we work really well together um like i said she teaches me things about the governmental side right. which is very helpful we um, look at things in terms of um you know you go to these meetings i'll go to these and so we try to divide things up right um, so that we're able to, um, you know, divide and conquer. Did you go in, I'm, I'm going to focus on business partnership a little bit because I get asked about this a lot. So fun fact a lot of people don't know is I actually start, I talk somebody into starting my business with me. And very quickly she was like, dude, I'm not an entrepreneur. I just want to hand it over to you. And then it turned into, okay, but I'm going to hand it over to you for this amount of money, right? <laughs> and once, once she talked to like friends and family and then it got very emotional for a minute and now we're still really good friends. Uh, but for a minute, we both had to get attorneys and figure out what that amount of money would be. And I bought her out. And we had not been in business that long, right? So at the time, now I know I got a steal. But at the time, it didn't feel like a steal. Uh, but I went into the partnership because I, like, just being, like, totally transparent. I didn't believe that I could do it without having somebody there, right? Which I found a lot of people... Like partnerships either go really well or they go really fireworks, right? We're yes. we're kind of unusual where we kind of went through a little bit of not super fireworks, but the emotional piece, but we're able to to keep a friendship after we weren't. Um, Which is good. Right. And I kind of accredit that because I've already done it in co-parenting. So <laughs> I, I was able to separate it. Um, but did you guys have, so one of the things that I've since learned is that if you talk about what could go bad in the partnership before you enter into the partnership, a lot of actually very funny a lot of men have told me this where they say well we just decided what our out would be ahead of time versus just jumping all in are those conversations you guys had or what were the conversations around when you were going into business did you ever think we might need an out or you stay in this lane I stay in this lane and that's what we did did you have any conversations around what the partnership looked like on the days that it wasn't easy to be partners well um at the end of the day um it's been more 
when you're getting started. Right. There's so many things that you have to do. And so you're just dividing tasks and taking care of things. Right. And so um, a lot of those things aren't being discussed. But as we're going down the road more, right. um, then we're starting to have the conversations about what that looks like, um, percentages, et cetera, so forth and so on. And so where you were is where we're going down that road now. Okay. Um, I don't know if it's um, kind of maybe late or if it's early or I, I don't know, but that's kind of how we're doing it. Yeah. And I know it's a, um, it's a very important um, to have those kind of conversations. So right. everybody is on the same page. Right. And is aware of what, what is what's going on or what could take place. And um, because of course you think everything is going to always be roses and that's right. just not, even not in like friendships, it's, it just doesn't play out that way. I found it very interesting because I went down this whole, whenever stuff happens to me, I go like try to find other people that it's happened to so I can see, like learn from how they handled it. So I went down this whole thing that whole year probably and figuring out, and it was very funny to me that the differentiating of men versus women and how they handled partnerships going into it. Like men's, I mean, kind of like what you would think. Men's emotions didn't get too much into it. Yes. Where women's, it, it was a whole emotional like lifetime when it didn't work out, right? And so uh, we tried to mimic what it kind of looked like, I guess, more or less on the man side. And we were able to uh, salvage our friendship, luckily. But yeah, it was kind of, it's, it's always interesting when people have partners. I'm like, tell me more. Tell me all about it. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you essentially, you guys help people find their, help them get certified. So I think a lot of people, I'm sure most of our listeners know this, but I didn't know this. There are different certifications you can get to get, especially government contracts. Absolutely. And so when you go to get these certifications, one time I went to the training and I just walked out like a deer in a headlights, right? Like. So that's where you guys step in and you help people get those certifications? Absolutely. Okay. That's what we do. And with our clients, we set them down and ask them kind of what is your end goal? Um, are you wanting to do business with corporations or is it in um, city, state, or federal? Um, depending on that response, then we look at you know the question, is certification right for you? Um, if they want to do business with corporations, we let them know what the um, – third-party uh, certifying agencies are and how we can walk them through the process to ensure that um, all of the requirements, um, they meet those. Okay. And so whether it's- there's a lot. There are a lot of requirements. Yeah. And, and that is the reason why I think um, people reach out to us, uh, not only because they know we have expertise and, and, and skill sets and et cetera, but it is an arduous task. And so if you can have someone to kind of break it down in bite sizes, it's very helpful because you're right. When you go to a training, you leave kind of glazed over. You're not sure where to start and, and if you really need this. And a lot of people go, I don't think I need that. Right. And then so what we find is with some clients, they're trying to scale and grow their companies. And so certification which is not a guarantee of business. It's another tool in your toolkit. Right. And so in some circumstances, if you've got two companies and all things being created equal, a lot of times that certification can tip the scales. Okay. Because companies with sort of with supplier diversity programs are looking for certified businesses. Yeah. So it's just people understanding what is certification, how it can benefit them and which certification is right for them. So I learned a lot about certifications. I used to sit on the Hispanic Chamber Board. Okay. And when the airport votes were going on, right? And how that would work with the different certifications. Yes. So essentially a corporation promises to use so many minority-owned businesses, women-owned businesses, this size of business, that size of business, correct? Am I correct? That is correct. And then um, when they're bidding out the project, so then when... They win the project, at least from my understanding, a lot of times then they have to like find those businesses because they don't always know those businesses, especially if they're going into a different city like the airport project. And that's when they will do as much as even um, reach out to the city and say, what are your certified businesses? Right. Correct. Right. Because um, the city has a database. Yeah. And they can, you know, go in and see 
um, if it's for roofing or if it's for drywall or whatever the requirements are, they can go to their database. Um, as with the airport project, there was a lot of, as you know, advertisements right. um, in the papers and um, in different community um, meetings and et cetera, um, trying to help people understand what the need was and qualifications and et cetera. And so at that point, people were kind of scrambling saying, oh, my God, I need that certification thing. What is that? And and so you had to kind of bring them on board and, and let them know what it was. Okay, I'm going to ask a controversial question. Are you ready? Sure. <laughs> no. Here we go. <laughs> okay, I have known of just a couple in my day, but a couple women-owned businesses that went and got the certification that I knew good and well was not. That was their husband's business, and then they came in, and they were the face of the company, but just to get the women-owned certification, right? But they weren't really making the decisions. They weren't really running the stuff. They manip- I don't know if it's manipulated. They made the paperwork where they own 51%, and now they were able to get those licenses. First of all, like, are there things put in place so that that doesn't really happen, right? Because then you still have a man's company with just the, the space. And how does that hurt us as women-owned business owners when other women are doing those types of actions? Okay. So with the certification process, um, a part of that is to, because people ask the question, why do they ask so many questions and why do I have to do this? And the reason for that is because they want to know that you are who you say you are. Right. So to your example, they're trying to make sure that she does, in fact, own 51% of the business. And so not only filling out the paperwork, um, there's operating agreements and et cetera that will reflect Um, whether that person is really the 51% Mm -hmm. owner. And there's also site visits. So when a site visit is conducted, it's only that owner that should be present. Because if they're responsible for the day-to-day, then they should be able to answer the questions without the husband or somebody else there. So they want to make sure that they do the day-to-day, they control, operate, and manage the business. Now, of course, anything can happen and and yeah. people can kind of slip through the cracks. But to your other point, you know, it's, it is a disservice when women um, or when the husband says, um, I understand we can get more contracts if you're a woman-owned, bi- you know, if it's a woman-owned, right. you know, business. And so I'm going to give you 51% and let's go. And so when other women are the 51% owners um, and then they're having to fill out the paperwork and go through um, the whole process, it's, it's really unfair when you know uh, emphatically that the woman sitting next to you is just kind of, the face. They, yeah, she's just kind of a face. Right. And not really the owner. Right. So it's kind of a downer. It feels icky. It's not right. Well, if I was, well, I am a woman. If I was a woman. If I was a woman or if I was a minority, why would I not want a certification? Like what sort of businesses would it just be a waste of time? Because I feel like, Almost everyone that I know have gotten their certification. It is a lot of work, so not everyone has gotten it right. I haven't, but um, they've gotten business from it. But what are the what are the reasons a business wouldn't do it if they sat in those two, like some of the seats that the certification is for? Some people just um, feel that they don't need it. Um, they've been doing just fine without it. Right. So it's like, well, why do I need that? I'm doing fine. And then a lot of those businesses find um, years later that they want to expand and there's untapped markets that they're not in and then they'll reset, you know, reconsider it. Right. Um, There's others that um, just don't want to give the information that's required. Um, And, and, and then a lot of them just say, you know, I'll go along as long as I can. And then when I get to a point that I think I need it, I'll, I'll, um, I'll reconsider. But it doesn't necessarily, it, it wouldn't hurt you. It's just more, just work to do it right like it can just sit there not used it doesn't hurt you at any point right well you know you have to understand that it's since it's not a guarantee of business and it's a tool in your toolkit Mm -hmm. then you um by getting the certification from the various agencies when you attend the networking events you're meeting other people so you're getting dialed in um so it is work that you would have to do um to stay connected and some people just don't want to put in the work right they just don't. Right. I've had a couple of business, uh, a couple of friends that have grown their businesses really large from their certification. So, yes. Yeah. But it is a lot of, it's, when I went to the training, it was scary. Like 
not scary. That's probably not the right word. But they were like, and then we're going to come to your place and we're going to look through this and that. And I was like, yeah, get out of my business. <laughs> but now I can see why it would, it would be good for my business, right? But now it's just finding the time to do it. That's why someone would hire you. And that's why they would hire me. Um, because what we try to do, we have a software yeah. program. And so we're able to um, take the information and then put it in chunks. Okay. So if it's financial, then you know what financial documents you need to start gathering. And then if it's general information, then you, so we take you through the process. Right. So it's not so overwhelming. Okay. That makes sense. Um, okay. So you have lived in Kansas City for how long now? I've been in Kansas City for 30 years. 30 years. Yes. Uh, are you Kansas or Missouri side? Missouri. Missouri. Okay, I'm Kansas. We're cool, though. <laughs> we're, we're cool. Um, family from here now? Have they all moved? Is most of your family still in Arizona or here? I, they're half and half. Half and half. Do you, half do you make it back to Arizona a lot? Yes, I do. Like when it's like really cold, like last week? Yes. I love the sunshine. <laughs> right. And I love the mountains. So um, every chance I get to, to be there, I will. Um, I'm home. So how so long, the corporate company that you worked at before that gave you an early retirement, how long did you work for them? 30. You were there the whole time? Yes. And is what you were doing there, is that what you went to school for? Is that what you thought you'd want to be doing growing up? Um, I've always liked service, mm -hmm. um, to be a servant leader, so to speak. So I had um, several uh, management positions. Okay. And so you learn as a manager um, – that you have to be inclusive. Yeah. Um, that opinions matter. It's a great thing not to have group think and have diversification in thought. Right. Um, you have to be able to um, to be able to lead and bring people along with you, but they have to understand what it is that you're asking them to do. Right. And you know, make them a part of decisions and etc. So, um, the one thing that I did like about even though people say 30 years in one company, but when you do different positions. Sounds like a dream for an employer, I'm learning. <laughs> <laughs> when you do different positions, it really gives you that opportunity to learn and grow and get professional and personal growth and, and everything. So it was a great journey. So I was looking up what company it was before I asked my next question in case you were wondering why I wasn't making eye contact with you. That's okay. Um, 30 years ago, how many women that look like you were working with you? Um, so that would have been back in 1989 when I first started. Um, there weren't a lot and I was in a male dominated environment when oh, I started. Wow. So I started in manufacturing in okay. Kansas city. Oh wow. And so there were not a lot of, um, women, um, not a lot of, um, African American women. Yeah. And as time progressed, um, more and more women, um, came on board so yeah so what were both I think the challenges but also the advantages a lot of times I think we talk about challenges and what I'm learning so just so you understand why I'm asking this question I think a lot of times we talk about the challenges right the challenges of being the only woman the challenges of being the only African-American woman the challenge of I, there's so many challenges a lot of times we don't talk about some of the advantages that we had in situations that were maybe challenging does that make sense so what were some of both the challenges and the advantages you had at being one of the only women and one of the only black women I would say um, from an advantage standpoint again I was in a kind of a male dominated um, uh, department if mm -hmm. you will um, and so it was learning um, how men operate mm -hmm. Um, like you were saying about the partnership, asking men. So I get, to, I, I had an opportunity to see business being done through a male's lens, if you will, right? And how they handle things. Um, that um, what I did like as an advantage, they spoke their minds, right? They said what they had to say, and it was it was done. Yeah, you didn't have to really worry about okay, is she going to be mad tomorrow, or you know, or. Is he going to drag this out? Right. It was like he said what he said and you knew what he meant. Right. And that was kind of cool. And now we're done. We can go tomorrow. We're done. We can. Tomorrow's okay. a new day. Right. So that was an advantage, I think. Yeah. Um, just knowing um, how men can move in business. Right. And and I had lots of male mentors. So it taught me a lot. Um, I think the disadvantage um, always when there's not more um, inclusiveness is that um, 
being able to come to a solution um, and have differing opinions because people come from different backgrounds and walks of life and experiences and et cetera. If you don't have that, then you're pretty much group think. Right. And it's like, okay, that's not going to take long to solve because we all think the same way. Right. So I think that's the disadvantage and especially not having that males and females and, and things of that nature to weigh in on, um, here's the solution that I bring to the table and here's why. Right. As you progressed with the company and you moved up into manager roles, were you, were you ever in a hiring role while you were there? Where you got to weigh in on who you hired and brought to the table? I was not in a hiring role, but um, I started off as a section manager. Okay. And um, I did some time um, in HR um, um, as a um, really working with employees on um, the resource side. Yeah. And so what were the needs, if there were issues, um, that kind of thing. So not the actual hiring, but working closely with employees if there was an right. issue or a problem. The reason I ask that is because, to your point, like I think a lot of people, especially people that are small businesses, where you're in charge of all the pieces and all the hiring and all the HR, all the things, right? Like yes. obviously not corporate. I find myself sometimes. I don't want to say that we're not. I think as a thought process, this company is pretty diverse, and at times we've looked more diverse uh, than we probably do right now. Uh, but what I find sometimes when I have all the all the things to do, all the things to do, is that I run an ad or I just hire somebody that reaches out and has a referral or something. And sometimes you can find yourself looking around and going, it's not as diverse as I'd like it to be. And I wonder, I guess, from your coaching seat, especially in marketing, I do think it's so, I think it's important no matter what. But in marketing, like it's so important because we need to have that if we're all thinking the same we're not going to be thinking the same as everybody that's going to see the marketing. Like there's just yeah. no way for that to happen. Right. Um, so I found it challenging to sometimes make it, I don't want to just say look, but make it more diverse and around here, because a lot of times it's just people in my circles that I'm, it's not necessarily my circles I'm hiring, but I get a referral from here or I just run an ad and it's just the first few people that apply. I just, you know, who's ever the best fit. And so it's not like I'm hiring based off of what people look like in that situation, but I'm not purposely going out and trying to make it more diverse. And just to be honest, because I don't know where to find the time. So when you're coaching people and 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 you're bringing up, how are we going to have diversity, diverse thoughts, diverse, diverse thoughts, diverse um, places we come from, all of that, right? Diverse experience, backgrounds. What is your advice to to small business owners that that want to be hitting that diversity harder? But just sometimes, you know this now that you're a small business owner, just so many things to do that mm -hmm. that being very purposeful can become very hard on your time. I would say, you know, it's number one. Um, kudos to you because at least you have it in mind, right? And you look at it in terms of um, I've, I've got to do better or I've got to make some changes or um, not quite how I thought I was going to look. Some people don't even have that thought process. Right. So at least you're cognizant of you want to be able to reflect um, when, you, when you're out in the public or when you're with different right. clients. When you bring your team in, your team is diverse. Right. So they know that um, the ad or the whatever you're doing for them will reflect and will draw an audience of many. Right. Um, it, it is hard. Um, I think, you, you know, the thing about it is to not only be um, aware, awareness is, is key, but to also um, talk to friends um, in your circle that are diverse and say, hey, do you know of anyone? Or it um, it's a matter of where do you go um, to, to look for people? Right. Because it is easy. I mean, when things are at your fingertips and someone says, I have a referral and they have all the qualifications, you go with it. Right. And and it's like it works and et cetera. So it just takes a little bit more time and effort. But right. yeah, because your former company, I know they actually put in a, um, a whole department around diversity. Yes. At, at one point. And I think that that's that's easier to do when you're corporate. Right. 
you're a big corporate company and you can afford extra seats. Right now, we don't even have an office manager, right? And so I just always find it very interesting. That's part of like why we joined the Hispanic Chamber and the LGBT Chamber right now too, to figure out how we can internally be more diverse as well as for our clients too. Now, with that said, I'm also in marketing, right? Yes. And one of the things that's really changed, I think, it, mediums have changed. It hasn't changed, but mediums have changed. Um, and this is where I always get weird. Not weird about diversity, but it's, again, one of those things like I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to think about this. So I want to hear your thoughts. Okay. I can tell you all day long and I can show you numbers all day long that if I run an ad of a white woman in your Facebook feed, you are not going to relate to it as much as if I run an ad of a black woman in your Facebook feed. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm trying to prove ROI, I am going to target you with an ad of a black woman because you are going to have a greater chance of clicking on that ad and purchasing whatever the ad is for, right? Because we internally, like it or not, relate to things that that look like us sometimes, right? Marketing has gotten so data-driven that now we have all that data of, especially on social media, which is kind of like where I sit in, right? Um, That I can run the same ad to you of black woman to a Hispanic woman, a Hispanic woman, and of a white woman, of a white woman, and offer great results. But if I mix those up between you three, they're not going to have great results. Well, then obviously you're going to run the ad that are going to get great results because then the business is going to stay and you're going to stay in marketing and the economy is going to do better, blah, 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 right? How does that actually hurt us when it comes to trying to be a more diverse, thought-driven nation when... Again, we're a money-driven nation, right? Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, all of us are doing, none of us do business for free. I mean, I do a lot of free business. I'm trying to do less. But uh, I still got to pay payroll, right? Like, it's time to stop. So where are the lines on that? Well, I, I mean, I think if I understand your question, um, at the end of the day, everybody wants to watch a commercial or see something that, rep- that they have representation right. in. Right. And... It depends on the product, right? Because if it's a product product that I want, um, something I've been looking for, I'm not so sold on. It has to be an African American woman in the ad, right? It has to make but my, sense. But my data shows that if I have an African American woman in the ad, you react to it better, right? Because this is a more of a push versus a pull. You're not out looking for it, right? Right. It's like if, if a commercial it comes me. on, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not like you're googling it and finding it then you're not going to care because you're just going to purchase the product. This is more about getting in your like subconscious and starting to make you believe that you want this product. You're not purposely going out and look, right? Right. So then the numbers show that, yes, if you're represented in the ad, whatever you look like, if that is your representation in the ad, chances are higher that you're going to want this product and buy it, which is an icky feeling when we're talking about diversity, yet it's a very ROI-driven industry right so that's where where does it hurt us when it's when we're talking through diversity because that can't be helping us well i mean you know again i i think when we talk about diversity what people want is inclusiveness Mm -hmm. they want to know that um when you uh market something i just want to know that um if it's cosmetics i want to know that you have some shades that will work for me right I want to know that I was um, in your thought process right. when you brought that to market um, and, and not be sitting there um, knowing that, okay, well, it's probably not for me because nothing um, is appealing to me because it's the wrong colors or it's not the right ad. or um, So I, I just think you have to – I think marketing is tough right? Um, because you want – I think you start with – who is your target target market right. or your audience? Who are you trying to reach? And based on that, then your products will reflect. So do you think it's actually helping diversity? Because now, now in marketing versus 1960, at least everybody's being represented in their own ad they're seeing. So I think it helps. it's actually helping. I've never thought about it like that. I like that. I think it does. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, everybody is just saying, well, um, I like this particular ad, or when you look at Super Bowl ads, or right. when you look at anything, people are just trying to see that it's reflective. Um, is there a Hispanic person in the ad? Right. Is there an Asian person in the ad? 
People just want to see themselves. And the thing about, um, if we talk about corporations for a moment, um, consumers are very savvy these days. Right. They want to know what is it that you believe. Um, do you have sustainability? Do you have supplier diversity? Do you have diversity and inclusion? What are your beliefs and values? Right. And then once I have that understanding, I'm more driven to buy your product. Mm -hmm. And so that's all people are looking for. They just kind of want to know more about you. Right. And it's okay um, um, to say what company. I right. was that for 30 years? I don't Hallmark. mind that. Okay, yeah. good. I hate, you kept saying the company. So Hallmark. And yeah, Hallmark's from, we have listeners from everywhere. So Hallmark is a Kansas City company that a lot of people worked at for a really, really long time. Really, really long time. Right. And the journey at Hallmark was fantastic because it allowed me to do um, different positions. And so you never think that at the end of 15 years, and then it's 20 years, and then it's 25 years, because you're given the opportunity to do so many different things and learn uh, new skills and, 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 and yeah, yeah. When I was a little girl, I used to want to work at Hallmark. But they also require a college degree. <laughs> oh, well, not for all positions. Oh, well, whenever I was trying to get a job without a college degree, <laughs> they did. <laughs> Whatever. I now, when people uh, when people apply there, they have the, um, there's a whole online referral thing that they do where you have to send it and have people answer questions about you. So I've now done that for a couple um, past coworkers. And... Um, and I, I like their system that they got down. I'm like, I need to come up with something like that here. That'll help me weed some stuff out. <laughs> I've been very impressed system. with how it works. But you know what? I have to say this, Erin, because when we look at um, a lot of entrepreneurs start at college, mm -hmm. left college, mm -hmm. and are doing fantastic. Right. And so I think that's sometimes where we go wrong so when we judge. Yeah. And say that if you don't go to college, you can't. Um, if college is for you, I think it's it's great. I'm not knocking it. I went and I did that. But by the same token, I think like today with STEM, there are so many kids that are learning to code. Right. And they can leave school and get jobs and can code. And, and so I just think that we have too many brilliant people out of the CEOs and CFOs, um, Mark Zuckerberg. Right. I mean, I can go on. Right. Um, in terms of um, individuals that it just wasn't for them. Yeah. So it's a not lot for of everybody. the big tech companies are all owned by college dropouts. Yeah. But it's become, um, I will tell you, it's kind of funny. I think that there was, especially in the, two th the late 2000s, early 2000s, right? There was more of a, um, I felt like there was more of a stigma around it than there is now. Oh, yeah. Now I'm very much like, yeah, I dropped. I've always kind of just been like, yeah, I dropped out of college. But like, I've had other friends who have kind of gone on the same journey that used to be real secretive and have like insecurities about it. And now they're like doing really well as entrepreneurs. And so I think now we're slowly getting to where it's, it's like, it's either for you or it's not for you, right? My children are 13 and almost eight she'll be eight next month so we're calling her eight no. <laughs> um, she's telling everyone she's practically eight <laughs> um but I, we already have that conversation like they're like mom I don't know if I'm gonna do college or if I'm gonna do this or that they're both theater kids so I'm like just whatever works for you like yes. we'll figure it out we don't gotta figure it out at eight we'll figure it out when we get closer we'll and later and and we'll see and so because uh my husband and and their dad um my daughter's dad they did graduate from college both doing nothing with their college degree that they went to college for, right? My husband has an aviation degree, and he's not doing that. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we just say we'll figure it out later. But I agree with you. But there was you, you and I both know there was a big stint in there where you could not even apply to a job unless you had a college degree, absolutely, because it would kick you out. So that that was when I was that was when I wanted to work at Hallmark <laughs> back then. Back but then, yeah, it's it's more prevalent now because right. when you look at the gap in terms of skill sets that are needed. Um, out in the marketplace now and if we don't start with middle school and high school kids and helping them to um, make those decisions in terms of are you going to college or right. are you going to code or, or or what are you going to do and make sure that we have facilities and and facilitators and instructors in place to make sure that people can make a great living right. and it, it's just that college wasn't their path right. so we just can't continue to think that if we don't close the gap, 
and make sure that um, kids are giving an opportunity to not feel bad because they don't choose a certain path. And we make sure that there is something out there for them um, to buffer and make sure um, they can do well. I would agree. Yeah. No, I think, you know, I just said I had theater kids and I think that now everybody talks so bad about like kids with phones and social media. I think so opposite of it because like my son has found like his people, like he knows he can be six foot tall in seventh grade and still be a theater guy. Right. Because yes. he's been able to find his people um, through like Instagram, like kids he follows that are like doing actual Broadway shows doing and stuff, not just playing do. football, you know, like everybody tells him he's supposed to do. So I kind of think that we're, we're kind of changing as a society to where it's becoming more, um, what fits I do think that certifications are going to get bigger certification programs just from everything I'm seeing right now you just go get a certification kind of kind of where we were what 50 years ago with trades you yeah. go get your certification it all kind of comes back around it does right it, I, I think it does and you're right we had more trade schools back then mm -hmm. and um, we had um, more um, um, occupations and um, in that industry and in that ear where it supported um, being able to get a certification or get a trade and et cetera. And so to your point, it just evolves. Right. You know, it just all comes. Yeah. Comes I, I like around. to say two hieroglyphics. We used to write in that. And now we write in emojis. That's right. <laughs> right. It all comes that, back around. That is. one took a while to come back around. That's but it all an emoji is. Yeah. Did you, did you raise a family here? No. 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 Were I, you just very career driven? Yes. Very. Yes. yes. Is there any... Is there anything you would have changed of your 30 years at Hallmark? That, is there anything you look back and you're like, I would have changed? Or do you think it all went exactly like it was supposed to? I think it went exactly um, the way that it was supposed to because I think the positions um, that I held has led me to where I am today. Yeah. Um, being able to have the, the courage and to have, to face adversity and, and know that um, – you have to work hard. Right. Um, you have to work smart. Um, every day is a different day. And so um, I, I think it, it gave me uh, more energy around being who you are. Right. Yeah. And, you know, don't give up on who you are. Um, we always hear, bring your best self to work. Right. I, I don't know anybody else to bring. Right. Um, and so you have to remain true to self. And as you get those skill sets and, and knowledge and et cetera, um, you can transfer those and, and, and really feel good about what you've done. But you can always see how that has made you propel into the future and made you a better right. person. Was that hard to retire? No, it wasn't. Right. Um, you know, you're, you're at that point. Uh, it's pivotal. And you feel that um, here's something I want to do. I want to uh, take that leap of faith. Um, and so it was like timing yeah. and a little bit of advice from your financial advisor saying <laughs> you can go now. You can do it now. Okay. But how long did you know you wanted to do this before you actually took the retirement? Was it like for a couple of years you were thinking, I wish yeah. I could be an entrepreneur? Yeah. Um, I was looking at it in terms of like being on the other side of the table, talking to, um, small businesses mm -hmm. and what the needs were and et cetera. And, it was like, you know, kind of like getting the bug. Right. Um, I can do this. I know I'm on the other side of the table now, right. but that's okay. And so with the coaching and development, it's being able to tell people, here's some of the pitfalls. Yeah. Here's how to navigate. Uh, here's some of the rules of engagement. Here's some things that you can do um, to be able to relate. Because we know at the end of the day, people do business with people they like, they right. trust, etc. And so it's just helping people to kind of understand all of that how it all comes together because sometimes we can be so focused on the issue at hand the service that we sell the products that we we make or build and we have to understand that's part of it right but that's not all of it what's your favorite part of being a coach i think is seeing people take the information and the advice and seeing them grow right um them coming back and say you know, thank you for that advice or, um, yeah, I was able to take that and see it differently. And so it helps me to grow as well because I have coaches and mentors right? Um, to help me along the way as well. I just signed up for my, um, for my, 
I just signed up with my first coach last November, so we're still fairly new in the relationship. And she was a an acquaintance. I wouldn't call her a friend. She was an acquaintance before. Like, if I'd see her out, we were, like, totally cool. But, like, I didn't ever talk to her outside. And now I find myself talking to her every single day. Like, it's really become a good, like, kind of a good sounding board, board yes. right? Because a lot of times you feel very lonely in the entrepreneurship piece. You do. So now I kind of sometimes want to be a coach just so I can talk to people, but I'd be a terrible coach. But I just, I, I am like, oh God, she makes me feel so much better just to be able to call somebody. I'm sure she's just like, you're a hot mess, but. (laughs) And, And that's the reason I think for having them, because it's somebody that you can say yesterday was, you know, I was on clicking on all eight cylinders and, but today not so much. Right. And that person can kind of give you that boost or that lift that you need. And you keep right on going. So I think it's it's very important to have that because you can give and give and give, but you have to have somebody to help you to replenish. Right. And to be able to to, to face the next day and, and to give more. Right. Yeah. She does remember me on my bad day. She's like, but remember this last week? And I'm like, oh, yeah. And then on my really good day, she's like, hey, come back down to come back down to life, too. <laughs> OK, you got to do this next thing. So you don't end up in that Tuesday's mood. Right. Yes. So it's it's been very good. And I, I do want to tell you, I actually. um, We didn't know each other at this point, in all fairness, um, but I was actually trying to decide between a couple of different ones. And I actually went with the coach that I have because she's also an African-American woman. And I thought she could help me figure out how to, as we grow, also make sure that we stay on top of um, being the most diverse we can. So yeah, I tr- I was very so intentional, cool. and and now now she's probably like you're my most high maintenance client, <laughs> bless her heart. But that is great though. All right, and, and see that's what I'm saying. I mean, you did something very intentional to balance that, and that's what it takes. I think yeah. people just want to know that um, they're being considered or thought right. of or or something, or there's some effort being um, put into uh, the decisions that are being made and the hiring or. Or whatever it might be. Did you give it some thought? Yeah. I'm trying. I'm You're trying. I actually, uh, I don't know if I should say this on air, but I'm just going to say this on air. I got blackballed from Ingram's Magazine a couple of years ago when I called them out for their lack of diversity, which really probably wasn't my place, but I just had Somebody a, had to do it. I, it was a, I get it. It was a picture, and I was like, this is ridiculous. And actually, they reached out to me yesterday and asked me if I can help them identify um, the top 50 Missourians and top 50 Kansans um, from different backgrounds than they're used to identifying. And See? I was like, ah, I would love to. Give me a minute to do it on the weekend is what you I see? said to them. So, yeah. So I'm actually probably going to reach out to you on some help on that. Okay. So for sure. Well, see, and, and, and that's what I'm saying. <clears throat> to have um, people that are willing to speak out mm-hmm. and say, well, you know, it's probably not what I should be saying, but something that I think I must say. Right. You know, you need more diversity in your, I mean, because we see that in different awards, different publications, et cetera. And it's like, well, well, why is that? But there's really no one to answer the question or they're saying, um, we're going to do better next year. Um, things of that nature. And so, it's like, okay, well, you can only say that for so long well, I think and not get better. I 100% agree with all that. The one thing that I think that we should tell people, and I'm sure you already know this, but this is something I just learned. And then I've been telling some of my friends and I'm like, you didn't know that either. And they're like, no, I didn't realize that so many of these awards were pay to play. Right. So like, yes, it doesn't look diverse, but if you ponied up the money, your face would be in that too, which is for me not an award I'm interested in winning, but I think that that just knowing that information sometimes enlightens people a little bit of why why they look the way they do sometimes, right? Some of these awards because they're pay to play. You you pay enough money, and then all of a sudden you're named the so and so, yeah, right. But I think like for me, I didn't grow up. I was a single mom with two kids before I started my business, right? Um, and so I didn't grow up in a very privileged background. And so I didn't even know that was a thing. Like you would pay to win an award. That seems very silly to me. But that is a very business thing that I don't think a lot of times people that maybe grew up kind of in my socioeconomic um, same area, right, just didn't know that was even a thing. So like I have uh, – there was recently a different magazine said something about the top five chefs and they were all – they all look the same. 
and we all know they're not the top five chefs in Kansas City, right? Right. <laughs> um, but I have a girlfriend who, um, she's African-American, and she was like, how will I ever win this award? And I was like, well, I looked it up. You have to come up with this amount of money and run an ad, and then you win this award. And she's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, that is. those are just the top five chefs that wanted to pay for being a top five chef. And so I think we also sometimes need to look at those as, as just what they are, kind of BS. Sure. Right. And I think, but to your point, I think people need to understand that. Right. And so, you know, during coaching and development, that's what I help people understand mm -hmm. is that if you're trying to grow your business and you want to be in certain publications and you want to be here, there and everywhere, there is a cost. Right. And people, to your point, what do you mean a cost? Right. And it's like, yeah, it's a cost of doing business. Right. And so if you want to do your marketing business, budget, <laughs> absolutely. If you want to be in that publication or over here, right. over there then you have to pay a fee. Right. And not that it's right, but it is what it is. It's just, it's business. But you need to understand it. Right. We're not going to change it right now, right? No, Unless we're not. we come up with our own award. That's and we're going to have to pay for the award somehow, so we're going to have to charge somebody something, right? It's like, <laughs> so well, you, you will have to pay for the award you're getting, but. <laughs> you're just going to have to pay for the trophy. <laughs> Yeah, but you earned award. it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the truth is that there is stuff to like, right? There's the even the trophies on that. Somebody has to pay for that. So when you track it all back, you see how it ended up there. It just doesn't feel right. Feel right. Yeah. I think you begin to question whether the person what they got the award for. Right. Did they really work to get that? Because it, then people began to say, well, how do I even know they did what they said they did? Right. To get the award. Right. So, okay, well, on that note, if anybody wants to know how to get those awards, they can reach out to you for coaching. That's right. Tell them there's. <laughs> and you will help them. I actually met a woman one time. Um, she was sending me lots and lots of emails to try to get my business. But her entire job is only filling out award applications for women-owned businesses. Isn't that crazy? That is a job in itself. I mean, more power to her. She's getting everybody's business because she's, I don't know anyone else that's doing it. But I was like, who even knew that could be a job? There's a job for everything. There is a job, and, and I, I do know that exists. Yeah, you probably don't see women, so. Yes, I do know that exists. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. And thank you for really having me. Really appreciate it. This has it. been great. That is it for this week's Cocktail Hour. Do you want to hear from your favorite local businesswoman? Do you know a woman in business who is shaking shit up? Send your recommendations to HeyGirl at CocktailHourPodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and share our podcast with your friends. We share our stories to motivate and inspire you. So spread the love around. Until next time, I'm Erin Folk. Keep your class and your glass raised, and we'll see you at the next cocktail hour. Thanks so much, Erin. You're welcome. Thank you.